Last week, we talked about critical race theory, as well as CPAC Texas and new voting legislations taking place. You're listening to Politics Politics, and this was the week of 6 4 2021. Hello everyone, I hope you've been having a nice week, and let us begin. But uh, before we do that, I do want to say that I didn't I, I didn't get find two main stories to write this week, but my main story I really wanted to talk about because it's been coming into the news a lot and many people are misinformed on what it actually is, and it's fairly long, so uh, buckle up for the ride. And yeah, let us begin. So many of you may have heard this term. It's called critical race theory. It's it's something that in the past month or so, it has really surged into the spotlight. And surprisingly, pretty much no one knows what it means. And it's ironic because many left-wing lawmakers have for some reason started using critical race theory as some sort of weapon. And it goes back some time. So essentially, We all know how back in 2020 when the first protests began after the death of George Floyd and while those protests were happening, Trump had made the controversial claim that these weren't peaceful protests and that they were riots. And just taking in the fact that there were some protests that did go out of hand, there were some shops broken, property damage. Yeah, that did happen. We can't deny that. But generalizing the vast majority of these peaceful protesters as rioters isn't acceptable. And so during this time, the Trump administration, they started attacking Antifa. And uh, it's a name you may have heard before. I I believe we talked about it like one or two times. And Antifa, they tried to make it a terrorist group. And I'm not defending Antifa. I I don't respect what they do. You think by doing violence, you'll get what you want. And yes, while Antifa does stand for anti-fascist, which means they're against white supremacy, you still can't use violence to do that. And so, yes, all of this was happening, and people started to pick up the idea that maybe Black Lives Matter was this violent group of rioters. And of course, this isn't true, but it wasn't very helpful that the president of the United States himself had embraced this idea. And... It was weird because whatever the president picks up, his supporters picks up, and then more and more people pick up. And it just spread like a wildfire. Now, all of a sudden, people think that Black Lives Matter were, were the people at the insurrection. I mean, it's crazy how we, how out of hand that has gotten. But alas, I've given you the background information on this and let us continue. So essentially what critical race theory is, it's, it is looking at the way of racism in the history of the United States and how it still lasts until today and how it's, how the system that we're in, it typically doesn't favor racial minorities and it typically favors the average white person. Now, all over the US, we have state governors that are molding the true meaning of this term and they're turning it into other things such as critical race theory is actually just teaching kids to hate their skin color and who they are. It's teaching kids how to hate the country and assume that all white people are racist, or that it's teaching kids to become liberals, which is basically just an adjective for a Democrat, and it's training them to rise up against the government. Now, I already told you the actual definition of critical race theory, so you already know that this is fake, but people believe this, and parents are pulling their shit 
pulling their children out of school or going to school board meetings and arguing just because apparently schools are teaching too much about black history. And when I say that, we all know the um, standard amount of black history that we learn. It's Black History Month. We learn about Martin Luther King Jr., Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman. But it's sort of going deeper than that. And it's going in white privilege. It's actually something that I didn't get taught, but it's starting to be taught. And I have nothing wrong with talking about white privilege. It's something that people need to know. And essentially what white privilege is, is it's how the average white person has privilege in society and how they can get things somewhat with less trouble. They can they don't have to experience the difficulties that people with the skin color do on a um, daily basis. And so just giving some examples, it's like how a black person is 20% more likely to be pulled over by the police compared to a white person, and how a black person's car is up to, it can be up to two times more likely to be searched than compared to a white person, and how in healthcare, a black patient is believed to have more tolerance than a white patient, and so often that help that they're needed could be delayed just because of this stereotype. Students of color are less likely to be recommended to an honor program just because of their skin color, and uh, you don't even have to look that far. I mean, you can just see it like on your TV screen. Um, just looking at <laughs> CNN, right? We know CNN, um, probably one of the most liberal um, news channels out there they're always arguing with the republicans you know they they stand up against racism and yet it's one of the most perfect examples of how how of diversity on a tv screen because we have cnn and they're always arguing with with the democrats they are always saying critical race here is a thing that should be taught and they do all of this stuff and yet just taking in cnn has seven anchors all right, and out of 70, 13 of them are colored, and so 13 out of 70, that would be about 18.6%, so 18.6% of CNN anchors are colored, yet 40% of America belongs to racial minorities, so CNN itself isn't representing the U.S. population. CNN, the most liberal news source out there, um, throwing out interviews and countless articles on critical race theory, is yet ironically an example of what this theory is about. Now, I could have used other news sites, but I just decided to use CNN because, as I said, they're probably the most liberal news site out there, and they're very biased. So I just I just decided to show that even the most biased news sort out, one of the most biased liberal, I mean, news sources out there, is still a great example of how white people are privileged in nowadays America. And you don't have to look at the news. You can just look at your average movie, right? And so 74% of film directors are white. And in 2011, actually, only 10% of film actors were colored. Actually, it's been a 10-year change, and the numbers have changed quite a lot, actually. Now, 40% of top film actors are colored, which is a big improvement, but... These were just a few examples of systemic racism that people of color have to face, just a couple of examples of white privilege. And as I said, you don't even have to look so far to see it. I told you that they're trying to make sure that this isn't taught in school, and I said I wasn't taught this in school. The only reason I know this was because I was part of a book club during quarantine. There was this book that we were reading, and I learned a whole lot of information about it. The The name of the book is, this book is Anti-Racist by Tiffany Jewell. It's, it's a pretty good book. It is a pretty good book. But anyways, continuing, we have congressmen and women, and they don't bother to look at all 
all of these facts. And even the parents who don't bother to look at these facts, they don't acknowledge it at all. And they just make it seem like this is just some sort of plot to make people assume that every white person is racist and that this is ruining the incredibly influential minds of our youth. But for hundreds of years, there wasn't any recognition of what people of color did in this country. And it's been a topic that hasn't been discussed ever. You know, white privilege, it just showed up literally after the protests, after George Floyd's death. That's when school actually, schools actually, in my view, they actually started taking this seriously, right? In my school, they never really, as soon as this started, we talked a bit about white privilege. Not too much, as I said. We weren't taught a lot about it, but a bit. And yet, parents are just going to assume, like, all of this is going to happen. Children are going to hate themselves. They're going to come home from school because they're going to be beat up by other people who hate them just because they're white. That's not going to happen. This literally just started. At least... Let the children hear it. What is happening in this country? It is a real thing. You can't rewrite history and act like this never happened. Yes, while it isn't as bad as it was back in 1860, it's still not perfect. And you can never stop improving, especially at this rate. Parents don't know how kids will react. And I'm sure... I'm 99% sure that kids won't start hating themselves. They'll just, they'll become more responsible after hearing it, after knowing what's happening in our nowadays society. I know that will happen. And, um... Just wrapping up the topic, um, people who want critical race theory out of kindergarten through 12th grade, they've gotten what they wanted because it's not in the curriculum in the first place. It's a college-level subject. White, white privilege isn't critical race theory. You can't associate the two things, essentially. Critical race theory is deeper than that. You have to look at the law system and everything. But no, it's, it, they're not that related. You can't just associate these two subjects and try to get away with it. Oh, no, critical race theory. No, no, no. White privilege and critical race theory aren't the same thing, okay? You can't take white privilege out of school. Keep critical race theory until 12th grade out of school. It's not being taught anyways. It really won't matter. And as for these Republican Congress people, just please stop. By doing this, I'm pretty sure you're not going to get any new votes from any new people. You'll lose an audience of people who these bills are affecting, and you're losing respect within your own party because essentially you're digging your own grave. Claiming the election is rigged isn't going to work forever. The party needs to change its ideals. You can't keep on following what Trump said. White privilege is a real thing. Don't try to erase it. It's not going to help anything at all. So that was pretty much it for this week. But as I said in the beginning, I only had one main story, but it was it was a complicated one. But yeah, that was pretty much it. And uh, I still have two weekly roundups, actually. So let us do those. So in the past, we have talked about new voting legislation, and it's a tsunami um, crossing Republican-majority states, and it's making it harder for liberals, particularly black voters, to be able to vote. And in many states, Democrats are easily outnumbered and powerless in state congresses. So when these states um, have these bills that is gonna that are gonna restrict voters, a lot of the times Democrats they can't really do anything. They can they can just speak. They can just tell their supporters that this is wrong. But when it comes to Congress, it's they're just plain now outnumbered. They just aren't able to do anything, and it's sad because Republicans are doing the wrong thing, but they're getting away with it easily. 
But there's an interesting story. What is going on in Texas is that, yes, the amount of Democrats, yeah, they are outnumbered by Republicans, so they can't end these bills. They can't end these new legislations. But what they can do is that they have enough Democrats so that if all of them weren't to attend the vote, the, the voting couldn't happen because there weren't enough congressmen and women in session. You need at least two-thirds. And if all the Democrats would leave, that is under two-thirds. So that is actually something that Democrats in Texas's Congress have been doing. They've been taking advantage of this, and um, they've been wise. They've, they walked out of the first vote, They and there weren't enough congresspeople for the vote to happen. But uh, this week, the bill came back up, and in and this time, the Democrats, they actually had to come and they actually had to vote. But, but they didn't walk out because they weren't allowed to. Instead, they flew out to Washington, D.C. entirely. You know, that's a savage move. You just, you just, they tell you, you can't move, you need to vote this time. Nope, you're going to Washington, D.C. That takes a lot of courage. And it wasn't something that I expected. I was really surprised, actually, when I read this. But yes, they flew it to Washington, D.C. They will wait there until August, until the session of Congress ends and uh, <laughs> the vote ends, essentially. And while they're there, they'll talk with D.C. Congress people, such as Chuck Schumer. But if they return they face the threat of being arrested because according to Texas's government, they won't be released until the vote finally happens. So even if they do return home to Texas, governor of Texas said that they will be arrested. So that's not the most promising return home. But still, lots of respect. I didn't know that this was happening. It's, it's, it entrusted me. It entrusted me a lot. Good stuff that's happening in Texas. They've taken advantage of the legal system. So yes. So next, everyone's favorite time of the year is back. It's not Christmas, it's not Thanksgiving, and it's not your birthday. It is CPAC season, folks. And uh, actually, when I heard this, I was a bit confused because I thought that that had already happened back in February or something. Uh, but it actually turns out that that was just CPAC in Florida. There's also one that is hosted in Texas, and, you know, there might be more in other states, and I, I was pretty surprised. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too different from last time, being honest. The agenda for Republicans is the same, except critical race theory came up and cancel culture stopped. I, I don't know. <laughs> they probably gave up on cancel culture because that's what they're doing a lot nowadays. But, yes, here, governors, they were just spreading lies about critical race theory, as we talked about earlier. They were bragging about how they didn't re reach Fauci's vaccination goal and how that they went, like, rogue and they didn't have any guidelines for COVID-19 or something. That's not something to brag about to logical people. But, yes, in the Republican Party, that's something that's respected. Now, something different is that Trump performed better in the Texas CPAC. And on the forum, I talked about it in February, on the forum, there was a question, who would you like to see as the Republican nominee in 2024? Uh, Trump, he had a 15% increase from 55% to 70%. And as usual, Ron DeSantis, he's still second place. He, he didn't go down to third place in Texas or anything. He's still the same as in Florida. He got 21%. And no one else on that poll performed well enough to beat more than 1%. So, yeah. But in the second poll without Trump on it, so that gave a whole lot more room to uh, potential candidates in 2024. DeSantis, he still led with 68% of the vote. And we had Mike Pompeo with 5%, Ted Cruz and Trump's son, both in third with 4%. And Christy Nome had, she was uh at uh, fourth, sorry, at fourth with 3% overall. Overall, on the one without Trump on it, there are candidates like DeSantis, Cruz, and Nome who potentially will run and who want to run in 2024. But obviously, doing that can um, make problems with Trump because 
Trump is obviously going to be running in 2024, too. He's acting like he's not. He's just, like, playing around with it. But I'm pretty sure it's pretty obvious that he's going to run. He wants to run in 2024. And no party members want to collide with Trump. In fact, Trump has pretty much stopped talking and acknowledging DeSantis in public. Because DeSantis, DeSantis is his main challenger actually but anyways that was pretty much it for this week if you enjoyed this episode please feel free to to subscribe to our mailing list all you need to do is send an email to politics 2020 at gmail.com that email is also located on the website you can also use that email to send me specific feedback on what on how i did on every episode it always helps me to get feedback and also Feel free to spread the word about this podcast. Always helps um, make it bigger. And feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts. If you don't want to email me, rating us on Apple Podcasts will also help me take in your feedback and make this podcast better. You're listening to Politics Schmaltics, and this was the week of 6-4-2021.